Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Live with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Live with Dr. Wendy. I'm Dr. Wendy Patrick and it's time for the headlines with a silver lining, substance seasoned with salt. Now we have a lot to talk about tonight, so fasten your seatbelts. Here we go. With me to break it all down in studio is Larry Dersham, who's an estate planning attorney, but he's also a constitutional law expert. And I have a feeling that he has some strong opinions about some of the topics that we're gonna be covering tonight. So let's get right to it. We are witnessing a nationwide statue teardown. That's right, these things are coming down in some cases peaceably, in other cases indiscriminately, regardless of what they represent. Sometimes by people who have no idea what they represent. They are removing images of controversial figures as well as abolitionists. Do you think we should be tearing down statues? That's our question of the night. Call us and let us know, 888-344-1170. So let's start out by framing the debate. Now at its heart, this debate is about our relationship with history and whether removing statues and monuments has a role to play in righting historic wrongs or whether their removal is simply a way to airbrush out painful and contentious parts of our history rather than engaging with it in order to understand it. I mean, after all, don't we say that if we don't learn from history, we're destined to repeat it? Should these controversial monuments be taken down or should they remain? And one of the questions that we're asking ourselves is what do they stand for? Why were they there? Why were they erected? What did they mean at the time? And what did the people that constructed them intend them to mean on a going forward basis? Are we misinterpreting the intention of some of them? Now, some of them we all agree with for sure. But here's something that really is a very more, I guess, practical aspect of all of this. Okay, let's say that maybe there's some kind of agreement in some groups that some of them should come down. What do we do with them now? I remember back a couple of years ago, this all came up and we said, oh, we'll just move them all to museums. Well, a lot of museums don't want them, can't take them. They have their own collections uh, and they're full. So some cities and municipalities have been selling them. You've heard that, you've heard that some of them online have gone for pretty hefty prices, but you can't just buy one and then turn around and display it on your front lawn. So what do you do with it? If you're a collector and you decide you want one, some of these things are massive. There's just no easy answer. Or here's a, a, a suggestion. Well, what do we do with other city property that's defaced or vandalized? We fix it, we repair it, we put it back up. Do we do that with some of these statues and then let the citizens vote on whether or not they want them to come down? I mean, that would be the way we would treat almost anything else that was vandalized. What do you think? Yeah, Wendy, I think that uh, we definitely don't wanna uh, allow people to tear statues down. We want them to uh, if they want to remove a statue, they should go through a process. It should be a, 
a lot of due process even for the statue. We talk about due process for people. There should be a due process for removing a statue. And uh, I think that um, what we're doing here is uh, totalitarian dictatorships are on the march to take over, if they if they are on a march to take over a country or even a civilization, one of the first things they set out to do is to destroy the target nation's history. And just some quick examples. Uh, symbolism in the French Revolution uh, was a device to dis, uh, distinguish and celebrate main features of the French Revolution and ensure public identification and support in order to effectively illustrate the difference between the new republic and the old regime. Uh, leaders of the French Revolution, they needed to implement new sets of symbols and self to celebrate instead of the old religious and monarchical uh, symbolism. And to that end, the symbols were borrowed from historic cultures and redefined. And so th- they definitely um, wanted to change things. And I think that could be what's happening. If you remember in 2001 in Afghanistan, the Taliban, they destroyed these Buddhas of Bamiyan which were a thousand years old and they used uh, artillery to totally destroy them. And yeah, we've it, seen a lot, we've seen a lot of those examples, haven't we all around the world. And, you know, Larry, one of the things that I always notice when they're showing that footage from whatever country it is, sadly, lately it's been our own country is what you see really is there. There are these people that are hijacking peaceful protests. These protests were meant to make a point. They were meant to be peaceful. There are lots of people that are completely opposed to violence that go to these things simply to exercise the First Amendment rights we all enjoy. And if a peaceful protest is hijacked to engage in lawlessness, well, we've seen the results of that. We've seen riots, we've seen looting, uh, now defacing public property all over the nation, assaults not only on police, but on other people that are there trying to peacefully protest. So if we're going to see it devolve into senseless acts of anarchy, that's not First Amendment protected activity. We don't want anything that's going to intimidate communities. And one of the other things we worry about is that people who attack these statues may also attack people. We worry about that progression of violence. That's the kind of behavior that concerns us. Why not advocate for the peaceful removal of monuments that are offensive? Take a community vote. And along the lines of, are these looters and vandals, are they getting away with it? I just want to point out, and I've said this before, people are frustrated that it doesn't seem like anybody's being held accountable. But remember, Attorney General Barr has been very vocal about the fact that there are hundreds of investigations currently underway with the goal of making arrests. These people that have vandalized these monuments, whether you agree with them or not, there's better ways to take them down, they are caught on camera. And just because they weren't apprehended in the act doesn't mean the authorities are not coming for them. Justice delayed does not have to be justice denied. Barr said there's about 500 investigations currently underway. I mean, think about it. They're circulating photos. Somebody is likely to turn them in. Um, People are on statue watch, just like they're on neighborhood watch. Courage with a camera. That's how we're going to catch these people, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is just so interesting. The statues that they are removing, some of them don't have anything to do with what you could arguably say is Black Lives Matter. I'll give you an example, Wendy. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt statue. Now New York City plans to remove the Teddy Roosevelt statue from the New York Museum of Natural History. 
the bronze statue has stood there in the Theodore Roosevelt Rotunda facing Central Park since before the Second World War. Soon it'll be gone. Why remove the statue? Teddy Roosevelt was one of our most popular presidents in American history. He saved the economy from our corporate monopolies. He created natural parks. He created the Panama Canal or had it built. He signed the law that created the Food and Drug Administration. And in 1901, he invited his friend Booker T. Washington to dinner. No African-American had ever eaten in the White House before. And the Democrats were enraged. And they never forgot that the rest of their life. They would always harass him about that. So what's really going on, Wendy? I think it's the politicians. The politicians are not standing up. They're not saying enough is enough. What about Seattle? What about that mayor who said, oh, "Oh, it's just a peaceful protest? Are you kidding me? We just heard uh, before this show the news coming out of there. Drug dealers, prostitution, crime. People are trapped in there. And they're calling that a peaceful protest. What I you think, know, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, what, what I worry about is the peaceful protesters that are involved in all of this. I mean, think about it as a society for all the talk we do about the danger of mass shooters. I mean, remember the carnage we've suffered when somebody drives a vehicle into these crowds. We've seen that in some of these protests. People go on mass stabbings. There's a danger for the peaceful protesters when you have something like you're just describing. And tell us what the latest is there. Well, I'll tell you, um, yeah, it's really bad. Uh, They interviewed somebody, a brave reporter went into the chop zone, and uh, a woman in there who belongs to uh, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, said that we are not here to peacefully protest. We are here to get our demands met. And what you need to know, Wendy, is that these people will never be satisfied. A lot of them are Marxists. And one of the leaders of the Black Lives Matter in a tape, and you can pull these all up on YouTube, said, yes, I'm a trained Marxist. That means communist. And so they've kind of infiltrated this original a wrong that was done back on May 25th with uh, George Floyd being unfortunately killed, and they've infiltrated it. And what the left knows, if they can force you to watch as they topple our heroes, they have an effect capture the country. There's nothing they can't do next. They can decide how you can raise your children, how you vote, and even and even uh, if you're allowed to what you're allowed to believe in. And once they've humiliated you, they can confront you. Or control you. And that's why across the country, mobs are tearing down America's monuments. They even thought they would tear down Mount Rushmore. But that brave governor there, I don't have her name in front of me right now. She said, not on my watch. That's right. And one of the other things that I've heard is that, unfortunately, and almost astonishingly, they were going to come after statues of Jesus Christ. That is something that impacts all of us. And that's the kind of thing that makes everybody's ears perk up and say, say what? What in the world does that have to do with this movement? And this is very important because what we're looking at here, and remember there's a new movement called Peaceably Gather. It's been started by pastors who are standing their ground because they're defending sacred ground. They want to make sure that this entire movement doesn't get hijacked to mean something that it was never intended to mean. And Larry, speaking of politicians, remember what the president said last week? He basically signed an executive order that is designed to protect the monuments. Now, I know, counter argument, yes, we already had that law. We did. 
But how often did we actually talk about it, use it, enforce it? Are the presidents actually signing an executive order? The argument is it's adding some teeth and letting people know that we have this law. Now, it's it, remember, we're talking about the existing Veterans Memorial Preservation Act. Um, it carries a prison term. What people want to see now is that we either do this peacefully by vote and get rid of the mob mentality and protect the citizens, protect the peaceful protesters, or it's going to have to be done the hard way, which sadly means some arrests. Right. All right. So this this is passionate and we have only a couple of seconds left, so we're going to have to cut it off here. Stay with us. You're on live with Dr. Wendy. We'll be back in a flash after the break. cycle lowlights have no place here you're listening to headline highlights live with dr wendy on the answer san diego it's time for more news you can use the headlines streamline it's time for more live with dr wendy now here's your host dr wendy patrick Hello, and welcome back to Live with Dr. Wendy. Well, I told you tonight was going to be a wild ride, and uh, we just have a lot of controversial topics to talk about, but we do need to talk about them. And our second half is just about that, talking, talking online. How do we do it? What platform do we use? What do we say? And should we be censored? So Twitter has come under some fire in recent weeks, and the argument is as follows. Do they want to be a platform for free speech or the speech police? That's the argument that's being made. And that's because they've really stepped it up when it comes to making their own editorial decisions and comments as to what does and doesn't remain on the site. Now, mind you, this is a bipartisan issue. So this is right down the middle. People want to be able to say what they believe and they want to say it without censorship. But does there come a point where people are afraid that they have to really streamline what they say or, or narrow what they say? Because otherwise, they'll either be banned from the site or their post will be removed or it'll be flagged with some kind of editorial comment. So we don't want a platform like Twitter that is so popular and so amazingly effective at reaching a broad base of people. Remember, the president relied on that, as did President Obama. I mean, this is no secret. Everybody's got a Twitter feed if you're in politics. But is it a bait and switch? In other words, did it start out as something where it's a distributor and now they are a publisher? Now, the president cares a lot about this. Um, he's been talking a lot about it. And it might have something to do with as much as we've been sidetracked with everything else going on in the country. Occasionally, we're reminded that we have an election coming up in November. So you bet the president cares. Now, the section in question, Section 230, that you hear a lot about, um, this was adopted 25 years ago. Now, back in the day, social media was more like a bulletin board where third parties could go and post information. But now, according to the attorney general and others, it's really been stretched to allow platforms to act too much like editors and publishers of materials by fact-checking and censoring, so they shouldn't be entitled to the same immunity shield that they had 25 years ago. Now they are using their venue to market ideas instead of showcase ideas. 
And Twitter fact checking sometimes can be mistaken for viewpoint discrimination. So that is a big problem. And it's one of the reasons that a new option has come into being. It's called Parler. What exactly is this? Yeah, Parler, it has over a million users, which is kind of amazing. It just started in 2018. And it's about time, I believe, that Twitter has some competition, some viable competition that has funding like Parler does. And I think it's really good. And I really think this is good for Twitter. Imagine if the Ford Motor Company, you know, Ford invented the, the, the Ford way back in 1905 or whatever. If he was the, if that company was the only one allowed to, we'd all be driving Fords. And now we got all these other choices. So I think this is good for actually Twitter, but it's good for the, the users too. We get choice. And, um, the, as you mentioned, Parler, it was founded in 2018 after being exhausted with a lack of transparency and big tech. Ideological suppression and privacy abuse, uh, co-founders John Mates and Jared Thompson decided to create an alternative. And Parler provides a commenting and social news platform for digital publishers. Uh, It allows users, now this is kind of cool too, you can have a thousand characters uh, per message, unlike Twitter I think is uh, limited to 280 characters on each uh, tweet. And so forth. So that's a good thing. And uh, they have the users on that platform can parlay. That's why they call instead of you tweet on Parler, you parlay through echo, share, vote and comment. Similar to uh, Twitter's retweet, comment and like features. Users also have the option to send private messages to other users on the platform. So how do you join it? Well, you just go to Parler.com and that's P-A-R-L-E-R.com. Now, another interesting thing, Wendy, is Google. Now, Google, I've heard, uh, has algorithms or programs that can sometimes uh, skew the search and maybe some would argue uh, discriminate against conservative talk. Well, there is another one that I've been using for years. And to me, it has equal uh, search results and it's called Duck. DuckGo. That's a funny sounding name. That is an old school platform and it's still around and it's still a favorite. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and they don't uh, track you. They At least they claim they don't. Whereas, you know, you've got all these ads from um, people marketing you this and that. Well, DuckDuckGo, that's one of their uh, primary marketing points is they do not track you. You have privacy. Well, you know, you say you have privacy, but you also made the very wise statement that at least they say they don't. And it just begs the question is how much we actually know about the different ways we're being tracked online. I mean, there are people that go to the library to do their public searches. I mean, the libraries, I guess, that are now open after COVID-19 because they're worried about exactly that. And on the other end of the spectrum, I know people that love optimized ads. They say, hey, that's okay. You know, Google knows I'm searching for a new couch, a new bed, a new desk sack, whatever it is. I'm happy to read those optimized ads. So there's really a broad variety of people that do or don't like these things. But back to the Twitter versus uh, Parler app, um, one of the things that I think is important to emphasize that everyone is sort of weighing in on, I should say sounding off about, because it's very near and dear to the hearts of many people, is there's a lot of people that get their news, believe it or not, just from sites like Facebook or Twitter. So they don't do like you and I do, Larry, you know, like scour every single periodical. We watch we watch Fox and CNN and MSNBC and I mean, anybody just to get all the different viewpoints. Uh, some people just, I don't want to say they live in a silo. Hopefully nobody does that. 
but they have their favorites and they go to certain platforms for their news. If those platforms aren't giving them enough, I mean, everybody wants diversity. Who wouldn't want to hear the other, the opposing part, uh, the opposing argument, I guess. I'll say yes. that as a lawyer because I love both sides. But that's part of the problem as we go into an election year. Why many people might say, well, is Parler just going to be an echo chamber for the right? What do you say to that? Oh, I'd say uh, that's okay. Well, they claim that they are just totally open. They're almost acting like a phone company where you call somebody or you get a conference call going and you just talk about whatever you want and they stay out of it. And Doesn't Twitter I, say that too, though? Doesn't Facebook say that? That's the argument. Well, they, they say that, but I think it's been proven by even people who have left the company and actually broken their non-disclosure agreements to come out to tell everybody what's really going on. And I tell you, here's, here's an interesting one, uh, Wendy, Facebook and Instagram censorship. Now there's a outfit called Project Veritas and you should all, uh, all of our listeners, listeners should look it up. Project Veritas. What they do is they put in hidden cameras, they have volunteers and they go into very sensitive and actually in some cases, dangerous situations and they record what's going on. Well, recently, and you can pull this up, a guy, by the name of Zach Mac, uh, Mac Elroy, who was uh, he was working for Facebook down in Florida. They have an office down there where they they censored, and he said they have algorithms to censor out anything that looks a little bit too politically offensive. And according to him, again, he was really putting himself on the line going against Facebook. But remember, he's a former employee. He said seventy-five to eighty percent of conservative talk, Republican talk. And uh, is censored and it goes to these content uh, moderators and they can literally they'll see it come in this queue. What is this algorithm shoots over to them and they have the right to delete it. And they the Project Veritas went through uh, a lot of people in the company secretly interviewing them. And they said, oh, yeah, we delete Trump tweets all the time. We if it it, it relates to Christians, we delete it. If it relates to the uh, Islam, they don't touch it. Now, how about that? Yeah, no, how about that? And on the topic of ferreting out content, we got to end it on a silver lining, Larry. Yeah. I'd like to end it on ferreting out COVID-19 through these new COVID sniffing dogs. So they're not looking at algorithms and they're not bipartisan and they're not biased. They are simply trained to detect signs of the virus in a fashion that is far less intrusive than we're used to. So let's let's round it out with just uh, just kind of describing this good news on the horizon, uh, taking a just a break from everything else that's going on in the country. So man's best friend is now potentially a covid test. That's right. There have been there have been studies that have been done about canine ability to actually smell human sweat samples to be able to tell whether or not somebody is infected with COVID-19. Now, this, of course, is is an experiment that was going on overseas, but get this, the dog's overall success rate was near perfect, correctly detecting an average of 95% of samples. I don't know about you, but wouldn't you rather have a dog sniff than that swab that goes up your nose and is supposedly very uncomfortable. Isn't that a better option? Absolutely. I would absolutely do that. Think of it, Wendy, dogs, they can sniff out drugs on border crossings like San Ysidro. They sniff out bombs protecting troops. Uh, They can, I've heard, sniff out even cancer, which is amazing. Uh, They're so amazing, those creatures. I love dogs. And their sense of smell is, is just astounding to me. 
You know, there's there's no greater equalizer in terms of getting everybody on the same page than talking about something <laughs> like dogs. I mean, I mean, both sides of the aisle love dogs, conservatives, liberals, politicians of all sorts, Republicans, Democrats. So um, appropriately, uh, we're going to leave it here with, with a silver lining. But suffice it to say that, you know, one of the other things that really unites us is the fight against COVID. And I know we took a little break from that this week. Um, but I'm sure we'll have other topics coming up in the future. But as we do so, you know, we really have so much that unites us. We really want to celebrate and, and pray over that um, on a night like tonight where there's so much else going on. So I want to say thank you for joining us. And please tune in next week for more of Live with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. Headlines with a silver lining. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for Live with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Live with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego.